Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. Awesome. Yay. God's good. Amen. And all the time, God is good. He's awesome. Amen. Um, I heard that the men had a really powerful time on Saturday. Um, and who, who showed up, guys, for the Saturday meeting? I heard it was fire. It was like powerful ministry and everything like that. I believe the next one is going to be Saturday, November the 19th. So make plans to be there. It's going to be really, really powerful. Amen. Amen. Y'all are getting quiet all of a sudden. (laughs) So Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, for who you are. Lord, we welcome you in this place. We welcome you in every heart and every mind and every spirit, God. We just welcome your presence right now in Jesus' name. Woohoo! Everybody just take a big drink of the presence. Yay. Yay, we thank you for your presence, God. I thank you, Lord, that the veil has been torn, that we can enter into the holy of holies, and that we can be overwhelmed by your presence. God, I pray above all things, Lord, that as as I preach and as we listen to your word, God, that you would overwhelm us with your presence, that you would saturate us with your presence, Jesus, and that we would all take big drinks of who you are, Jesus. We just thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody take one more big drink. Yay, Jesus. Yay, 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 yay. Awesome. Um, The message this morning is called Surrender to the Presence. Surrender to the Presence. Hey, come on. (laughs) Surrender to the Presence. Hallelujah. Um, This is a message to the church. This is a message to the bride of Christ. And um, this is a strategy for the times that we're living in. So listen up, get your notepad ready, get your Bibles out if you've got them. um, And uh, we're going to jump into it. So um, there is a difference between powerlessness and surrender to the Lord. Okay? There's a difference between powerlessness and surrender to the Lord. Powerlessness is from the perspective of my own efforts and my own strength. It is rooted in fear and disconnection, and it leads to complacency. So this is where people start to fall asleep, okay, in the church, okay? Powerlessness is just like, well, if God wants to change it, then he'll change it. And if he doesn't, then oh well. And I'm going to call that surrender, that makes sense? That's powerlessness, okay? And powerless is not something that Christian blood-bought, born-again believers are, amen? We are powerful. Somebody say, I am powerful. All right. Um, Surrender. Surrender to the Lord is a result of connection and trust. It is rooted in love and faith, and it leads to me being obedient to do my part, Amen? So that I can be powerful to do my part, and powerlessness is a lie. So I connect with Holy Spirit. I drink in his presence, and I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do about this? 
What is it that you want me to step into? And then you walk out the obedience of what God is telling you to do, trusting that he's got all the rest, and that's what surrender looks like. Does that make sense? Okay. Someone say, I'm powerful. So to understand how powerful we are as a church, I feel like there's a prophetic message in the story of Gideon, okay? Gideon, the one that was shaking in his boots and hiding in a wine press, right? And that's where the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, you, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor, Okay. Now what was happening in the country at that time, the Midianites would come in, the Midianites and the Amalekites would come in to the children of Israel. They would swarm them like locusts. They would eat up all their crops and steal and pillage everything. They would kill all their animals so that they had no food, no livestock, and then they would go back into their country. And this was happening over and over and over for seven years. They were in this type of of, uh, oppression where it's like no matter what they did, no matter how they sowed, no matter what what they tried to put their hands to, it would get robbed over and over and over again by the Midianites and the Amalekites, okay? Very frustrating, a very powerless situation. And that's where God called Gideon out of a wine press where he was hiding so that he could, you know, beat out some wheat to keep it hidden from the Midianites. And that's where God calls him. You are a mighty man of valor, and I'm going to use you to deliver your country, Okay. Now I'm I'm speaking to each and every single one of you. God is calling each of one, each and every one of you the same way. Amen. Someone say I receive it. <laughs> so the people of Israel were dwelling in caves and dens. They were hiding. And then the locusts would come and eat everything up. So let's read what is God's solution for that problem. Okay? God's solution is found in Judges 6:12 to 16. Judges 6, 12 to 16. It is, there we go. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, and said to him, the Lord is with you. Someone say, the Lord is with me. O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did, you, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Mm-hmm. The Lord looked at him and said, go in this your strength. Someone say, in this your strength. And deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. Do you hear all of his excuses? Okay. What tree is he on, for those of you that have heard the two trees message? I can't do it. I'm too weak. I'm too young. I'm the least in my father's house right? He's on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of striving and self-sufficiency, right? When God is saying, hey, I am with you. I have connection with you and with me with you. Nothing can come against you. Amen? Okay. So uh, moving on from there. I'm the youngest in my father's house. And oh, was that out? Those all the things? Okay. And then verse 16 says, but the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. Someone say, surely he will be with me. And you will defeat Midian as one man, okay? So Gideon is wanting to see the miracles of God, okay? What Gideon didn't believe was that God wanted to to use him as a miracle, amen? 
Gideon asked for a miracle, but he just couldn't believe that he could be that miracle. And, and the Lord says to him, haven't I sent you? Okay, the Lord is saying to each and every one of us in here, haven't I sent you? Okay, all of us hiding in wine presses and worried and fearful and watching the oppression and watching things being taken over and watching all these things. And we're like, this feels impossible. This is crazy. How can we possibly, what can I do? I'm a little person and I, you know, I work at Five Guys or I work at this job. What can I do? What can I do? It's, this, it's that powerlessness. It's that lie from the devil, right? It's the lie from the beginning, okay? Amen. We are in a battle, Whether you know it or not, you are in a battle. There is a battle over you. There's a battle over your family. There is a battle over our nation as well. Amen. Amen. Am I the only one that sees that? (laughs) There's a battle over our nation, okay? The good news, Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Okay? Good news, we fight from victory and not for victory. Amen? Good news. The battle plan is probably simpler than you think, and we're going to learn this through Gideon's marching orders. Amen? Someone say, it's simpler than I think. Turn to your neighbor, say, it's simpler than you think. (laughs) Okay, so the first thing that God told Gideon to do is pull down the altar of Baal, which belonged to his father, and cut down the Asherah poles and offer a burnt offering to the Lord on those wood poles. So the very first thing that he was called to do before he could attack the Midianites is get rid of the idols in your own home. Get rid of the idols in your own home, okay? We can't have things in common with the enemy that we're fighting, amen? And now we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, amen? Wickedness in the high places. So the first thing we need to do is make sure that we don't have things in common, okay? Now, Asherah means uh, sanctuary. It's like a counterfeit holiness, okay? And so what the enemy tries to do is make these things feel like they're holy and untouchable, and you can't touch that because you're going to offend people and all those things, but we have to tear those down anyway. Gideon had to go against what his father had set up in his house. He had to go against his family traditions and cut down those things while they were all sleeping. When they woke up, they all wanted to kill him. They all wanted to kill him. People don't like it when you touch their idols, okay? Now, the reason that Midian was in bondage in the first place was because they erected idols to the Baals. Does this make sense? And so it it wasn't even that God said, well, this is my judgment. You're going to be under oppression. God is like, okay, you're looking to your bales to protect you. Let's see how they do, right? Seven years of oppression and being robbed from. The second the children of Israel cried out to God is when he called Gideon to go and bail them out. Amen? God did not abandon them. They chose their own protection, right? So we want to make sure that we don't have idols in the way. We don't want to have things in common with the enemy. Amen? Um, Once he did that and he offered a, a sacrifice to the Lord, what is that? That's worship, right? Once he took down the idols, took down anything that they could have in common with the enemy, and then worshiped the Lord there, the word says that God clothed himself with Gideon. God clothed himself with Gideon. How powerful is it? Who wants to be? (laughs) 
Who wants to have God clothe himself in you? Woo! How many of you know that you are already, the fire of God is already inside of you because of what Jesus did? Because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and a fire that is inside of you. Amen. God clothes himself with you. Someone say, God clothes himself with me. <laughs> awesome. God clothes himself with you. And God says to him, go in this strength that you have. Go in this strength that you have. Now, God sees Gideon, and he doesn't see Gideon, the smallest in his tribe. He doesn't see Gideon, oh, he's hiding in a wine barrel. He sees him by the Spirit, and by the Spirit, he sees that Gideon has the fire of God inside of him. Amen? So God calls out the identity that he sees, because you know prophetic ministry isn't calling things as they are. You don't need a prophetic gift to call things as they are, but to call them by the Spirit and what God is doing and what's about to happen. Does this make sense? Okay, hallelujah. So he says, go in this strength that you have. What does that mean? There was no Rocky montage to Eye of the Tiger for him to be like, okay, I'm gonna go work out for six months and then I'm gonna go up against the Midianites. No, God is like, no, I'm gonna use this guy who's shaking in his boots because I know what he has inside of him when he understands that I'm with him. Amen. So there's no Rocky montage Okay, you get to go in the strength that you have because when you are weak, he is strong. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Um, so then Gideon throws out a fleece. And he's like, okay, God, if you really, really want me to go against the Midianites. By the way, the Midianites were numerous. Like, like it says that they were like locusts, like more than you could even process with your eyeballs. Okay? And he's like, if you really want me to go against the Midianites, I'm going to throw out this fleece. Okay, and I want you to have dew only show up on the fleece and dry ground everywhere else. Okay, and so the next morning, God does that. They wring out a whole bowl full of water out of the fleece. And then Gideon, who's still shaking in his boots, says, don't get angry, but let me ask one more time. <laughs> How about this time? The fleece is dry and the ground is wet. Okay, and so God wasn't angry. The next morning, the ground was wet with dew and the fleece was dry. Now, why that? Why that story? This is where I Bible nerd out and I totally geek out and I had to like rip out like three pages of my notes because it's all like nerdy stuff where I'm like, oh my gosh, this means that. And it's just like, it's amazing. Go study it out. It's powerful when you look at every detail. Okay, but why is that? The bales, bale, that, that false god, is known as the Lord of the dew and the rain. Come on. <laughs> right? And so this is God establishing, no, I am the Lord of the dew and the rain. No, I am in charge. I am the one that you need to glorify. I am the one that you need to look to. You don't need to look at the bales and cower and shake. Oh, they're the, look at the enemy, so powerful. And we're glorifying the enemy all day long. It's like, no, you don't know our God. Amen? Amen. God is showing himself strong. Hallelujah. So then we have a drinking test. <laughs> The, the drinking test, if you guys know the story, okay, they had 32,000, right? And then God says, okay, if anyone is shaking and afraid, they need to just go home, okay? So how many went home? 22,000. Leaves like 10,000 people up against at least 140,000, like locusts on the seashore, 
okay? How many of you think 10,000 people can beat 140,000 people in the natural? Probably not. They're outnumbered pretty severely. But God says, nope, that's too many people, okay? And he's like, let's eliminate even more. And so he says, I want you to do this drinking test with your people. I want you to take these soldiers down to the water, and they're going to drink the water, and whoever picks up water in their hands and laps, everybody do that with me. (laughs) Whoever laps up water like dogs out of their hands, those are the ones that you get to keep. And anyone who gets all the way down and puts their face in the water, those are the ones that need to go home. Okay? Now, this drinking test is really important because this determines whether or not you're going to stay and fight or whether you're going to go home. Okay? Now, we're going to get to why that test in a minute. Okay? But guess how many lapped out of their hands? 300 up against 140,000 that were against them. Okay? Now, here's a cool one. Again, I was like, what? And I didn't find any, like, studies on it or, like, there was nothing. I'm like, no, but nobody's talking about this. So uh, they were up against the Midianites and the Amalekites. Midian, by the way, means strife and judgment. Amalekite means those who lap up the blood of their enemies like dogs. Do you think that's a coincidence? (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. So God is looking for those who are lapping up water. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Okay, so 300 up against 140,000. How many of you know that they need a supernatural victory? Amen. God says that's too much. If they win with this many people, they're going to think that they did it. They're going to they're gonna boast and say like, oh, that was by my strength and by my great ideas or whatever. 300 against 140,000 is impossible. Amen. God wants us to see impossible situations as possible with him. Amen? Amen. So God says, if you're still afraid, go down to the camp of the enemy and listen to what they're saying about you. (laughs) So he goes down to the camp of the enemy. What does that mean? Gideon's still afraid. (laughs) He's still afraid. He goes down to the camp of the enemy and he listens to what they're saying. Okay, and they're like, oh my gosh, I had a dream that this, this loaf of bread rolled down the hill and it flattened all of our tents and da-da-da-da-da. And then another one of the enemies says, that for sure is the sword of Gideon. He's coming to us and he's going to take us out. Okay, can I tell you that the enemy is more terrified of you than you are of him? If you could understand that all of creation is eagerly longing and waiting for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God, amen, who have the fire of God inside of them, amen, it's 300 against 140,000, and that's an easy fight, an easy fight in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The enemy is terrified of you stepping into who you are. Amen. So here's God's battle plan. They go to the water, they drink, and they refresh. And this is the plan that they get. You're going to take some torches, put them in some clay jars, and you're going to take some trumpets. And you're going to go up against 140,000. Now, how many of you would be like, yeah, let's forge ahead. That sounds like a great plan. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to blow our trumpets at them. (laughs) Right? But we need to follow and be obedient to what God is saying, no matter what it looks like. No matter what it looks like, because he has a plan, okay? So what they do is they put the torches in the clay jars, 
okay? And then they have their trumpet. They blow their trumpet. What is that a picture of? Worship and praise, right? Worship and praise, just like Jehoshaphat, when they praised the Lord, that the Lord set up ambushes against the enemy. So they blew their trumpet, they crashed their clay pots onto the ground and revealed their torches. And the enemy freaked out, got confused, started killing each other and fleeing. That's God's battle plan. (laughs) That's God's battle plan. He wants to use you for battle plans like that, where he does it and he wants you to know that he did it. Amen? And so they're running, and now here's the powerful thing. They pursued them. They pursued them, and they went after it until it was all done and over with. Amen? That's the kind of fire that we need. We need to go after all these things in our life with that pursuit, with that hunger of like, I don't want a single one of these things left. I'm going to go after it, and I'm going to take down the head of my enemy. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a second. So praise and worship is how they started with their trumpets, right? Did you know that when we worship in this place, it shifts the atmosphere over our country? When we worship in this place, God is doing things. He is setting up ambushes all over the world. Amen? Now, I know firsthand experience. I have flown into the country or the the continent, country, country of India. Sorry, geography mistake. Okay. I flew into India and you can feel when the plane descends out of the clouds, you can feel the oppression in the atmosphere. You can feel that there is this atmosphere of like, yeah, there's lots of gods and it doesn't really matter. And it's like, there's this oppression, there's this joylessness in the atmosphere. Those of, those of us that have been to India, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Now, why is that the atmosphere in India? Because billions of people are worshiping false gods and it creates an atmosphere, right? And so there's this atmosphere of oppression, Okay. Now, what happens when the people of God rise up and worship God, Jehovah, the mighty God, King of kings, Lord of lords? What happens? It creates an atmosphere. It is massively important. When we're here worshiping in this place, we are engaged in battle. Amen? In ways that we probably, we won't know until we're on the other side of of heaven. Amen? But it is powerful. Like this, it's not about like, oh, you know, oh, that was a good song. I like that. Oh, this is not my favorite song. So me. It's like, no, don't let the rocks cry out in your place. You know, it's like it creates an atmosphere when we glorify him, when we worship him. It sets the atmosphere where people walk into a place and they just like, oh man. Like, God, he's real. It's like it sets a, a, an atmosphere where, like, the seed of the gospel can sprout so easily. It's really, really powerful. Amen? Someone say, my worship is powerful. Hallelujah. If billions of people worshiping false gods can create an atmosphere, how much more happens when we worship the true King of kings and Lord of lords? Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, so they broke their clay jars. What do clay jars represent? Clay. Humans, flesh, right? Okay, so they broke their clay jars. They broke their fleshly ways to reveal the fire of God. Amen. That's what we need to do. Break our fleshly ways, reveal the fire of God. Come on. Torches represents the fire of God, the fire of Holy Spirit. Okay, we will smash the clay jars to let his light shine. If we could put up on the screen 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7. 
2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Somebody say that out loud. God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That was the battle. He wants us to know that it is not from us. It does not depend on us on our own. Amen. Break our fleshly ways. Get rid of that stuff to let the fire of God shine. Amen. Be willing to do things that look funny. Be willing to obey no matter what the cost, no matter what it looks like. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord might have you do some weird things. And that's okay. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. So here's some prophetic keys from Gideon. After the enemy started destroying themselves and fleeing, they pursued them to finish the job. Um, there's so much more to this that I can't break it all down today. But one of the things they did is um, they killed Zeba and Zalmunna, who were Midianite kings. Okay? Zeba and Zalmunna. Okay? Zeba means victim. Zalmunna means protection refused. In other words, God's not protecting me. In other words, I am abandoned. Okay? Now, remember what got them in the mess in the first place is that they erected idols. They erected the Baals and said, these protect us. These are the ones that delivered us from Egypt. Right? They refused God's protection. The second they cried out for God's protection, he sent Gideon. Amen? Um, where did they find these, these Midianite kings? They found them in Karkor, which means foundation. So victimhood and protection refused, in other words, abandonment, found in our foundations is how we get in oppression in the first place. When I believe that God is not truly with me and I believe that I'm a victim of the enemy, We've got to get that stuff out of our foundations. They chased those guys down and took their heads. It's like they took away their authority in their lives. It's like, nope, no more victimhood. Someone say, no more victimhood. Someone say, no more abandonment. <laughs> Refuse to entertain powerlessness. Amen. Mm -hmm. God will always protect you if you allow him to. Whatever we try to protect ourselves apart from God ends up in bondage. When we try to protect ourselves apart from God, we end up in bondage. Amen? When we operate in fear, the fear brings the things to us that we fear. Amen? So we don't want to protect ourselves apart from God. God is our protection. Amen? You have not been abandoned. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are not a victim. You are not a victim of, of our world, of your enemies. You're not a victim of the government. You're not a victim of people who are trying to oppress. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. Amen? You are a powerful person. You have choices. You have Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you. The spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Amen. How many of you know God wants us to do powerful things? 
Amen. Like Gideon, we need to pursue the enemy and defeat him entirely out of our soul, our mind, our heart. We need to be relentless. No victim mentality, no abandonment. Amen. Gideon's victory changed the nation and brought 40 years of peace. It changed the entire nation and brought 40 years of peace. Now, how many of you know that just standing around holding torches doesn't scare 140,000 people in an army? How many of you know that if we tried to recreate that, it probably wouldn't work unless God was saying to do it? Amen. What does that mean? That is supernatural fire. Somebody say supernatural fire. Supernatural fire. Did you know that we can hold a fire that causes our enemies to fight against themselves? Did you know that this is nation-saving fire? Their country was in trouble from what their enemy was doing. And here's the test. How do you drink? How do you drink? Because some people drink and they get sent home. And some people drink and they receive supernatural fire. So how do you drink? Okay. Now again, we have the ones that drink Water in their hands, lapping like dogs. Everybody do it with me. Literally says, lapping it up like dogs. Those are the ones that get the supernatural fire of God. Now, why? Why? It's such a weird story. It's like, what the heck? And sometimes we just like shrug it off. I don't know. It was just weird. Maybe that was just the test or whatever. There's always meaning behind all the things, okay? Like, like we already shared, the Amalekite means those who lick up the blood of their enemies like dogs, okay? So the 300 that God chose are people who are going to come in the exact opposite spirit. The Amalekites were vicious. They were vengeful, and they were licking the blood of their enemies, And God is looking for those who are vicious and ferocious for the presence of God. To drink. Just like, I want to drink. I want to drink. I want to drink his presence. Amen. I need refreshment. The exact opposite spirit. Amen. Someone say, come in the opposite spirit. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Zealous for the presence. These people were going into the biggest battle ever, okay? They know they're going against 140,000 people. What did you imagine that they would have with them? Swords, bows and arrows, shields, probably some baggage, you know, whatever, a lance. I don't know what kind of weapons that they had back then. So they had all these things, okay? The ones that got sent home are the ones that knelt down and put their face in the water. What does that mean? They're still holding on to their weapons. They're still holding on to their fleshly ways of doing things. It are those that laid everything down to only hold his presence and drink. Those were the ones that were chosen. And those were the ones that got the supernatural fire of God. Amen. So are you willing to lay down your ideas and your thoughts and your strivings and your weapons and your self-protections to receive from him, to drink of his presence and to be so hungry for his presence that you're like, (laughs) and then receive his battle plan and his strategy and walk out the obedience of it no matter what it looks like. Amen. The solution is simpler than we think it is. 
but you got to be willing to drink. How do you drink? How do you drink? If you're going to try and save your nation with your own ideas, weapons, and self-protections, you might as well just go home because it's not going to happen. 300 cannot defeat 140,000. God, God made it that way. Amen. God only gives supernatural, extravagant fire to those who are willing to lay everything down but him. If I want to see my nation changed, I might worry about money or this person or that person in office or the evil that they're doing and start to feel like a victim, or I can just lay it all down and drink. Amen? I can become so overwhelmed with the presence of Jesus. Amen? This is massively important in this era. <laughs> massively important that we know how to drink, that we know how to soak, that we know how to go after our source. Amen? Drink on the way to your battle. After you drink, he gives you the fire, and then the enemy destroys himself, and God gets all the glory. Amen? Now, how many of you know God loves to embarrass the enemy? He loves to embarrass the enemy. Don't think that we need to strive to come up with brilliant strategies to fight the powers of darkness. That starts to feel impossible. Amen? Israel had non-weapons and the most insecure leader ever. <laughs> and they were completely outnumbered, and yet God gave them the victory. Amen? Because they knew how to drink and get fire. <laughs> All right. Colossians 2.15 says, When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, having triumphed over them through him. He made them an embarrassment. He shamed them. They were disarmed. They have no arms and no feet. They've been defeated and disarmed. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the enemy's been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. Gonna lift our voice in victory. Gonna make your praises loud. Come on. Hallelujah. The enemy's been defeated, okay? Look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. What looks insignificant houses the power of God. Amen. Look at David and Goliath. God loves impossible situations where God is the only deliverer and only God gets the glory. God says to boast in our weaknesses. Even Acts 4.13 talks about that when people saw, was it Peter and James? Is that who it was? Peter and John, sorry. Peter and John. And they saw that their boldness, they marveled because they knew that they were untrained and uneducated, but they knew that they had been with Jesus. Are you willing to let people see who you're not in order to show them who you've been with? Amen? Hallelujah. It's not about special people. It's about a special God. Hallelujah. I'm not saying that we're supposed to sit back and do nothing and wait for God to come and rescue us or rapture us away. That is powerlessness. God already came and rescued us. How many times does he look at us? Look at Moses at the Red Sea with the children of Israel. They've got their back literally against like a rock and a hard place and an ocean, right? And then the Pharaoh and the army start pursuing them and they're going to kill them all. And they're like ready to stone Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? What does God say to them? Stop crying out to me and move forward. <laughs> Stop crying out to me and move forward. We have already been rescued, we have already been rescued by Jesus. He has already won the battle for us. And he's given us everything that we need to be successful and to be powerful. And now we have the fire of God living inside of us. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to stop asking for things that we already have. Somebody say, I'm God's answer. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm not saying we're supposed to sit back and do nothing and wait for, if God wants our nation saved, then he's just going to have to fix it. That's powerlessness. Okay. I'm saying the way we get his strategy is with nothing in our hands, but his presence that we drink until he gives us his fire and his battle plans. Amen. I'm saying, let's make a lifestyle of this and then walk out the obedience of what he wants you to do about it. Amen. Hallelujah. God wants you to drink properly. We were, we were having a drink this morning. We were having a little, a little drink, and it was only nine, it was, the hour was only 9 o'clock. <laughs> having a little drink. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to drink properly. We need to get out of the victim mentality of like, our world is so crazy. I've got to come to church and just have like a couple hours of peace so I can go back at it because it's crazy out there. <laughs> just like one day, can I just have one day of peace before I'm back at it? It's like, no, drink more often. Drink more often than once a week and actually bring peace to your workplace. Bring peace to our nation. Amen. Hallelujah. Be a carrier of his presence. Gideon was not praying and seeking God or fasting. He was hiding from his enemy. <laughs> he was not crying out for his nation, at least that we see. He was hiding in a wine press. God was not answering Gideon's prayers with him. God was answering the prayers of his country. Would you let God make you the answer to your country's problems? not care what it looks like, if there's only a few of us who know how to drink and get fire, <laughs> are you willing? Amen. God, answer the United States prayers with me, with my life. But I'm nobody. I just work at this place or that place. I'm the least in my family. How in the world can I do anything? You have the fire of God inside of you. Amen. God sees you by the spirit, mighty man, mighty woman of valor. Now, courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing it afraid. Okay? Look at Gideon. All throughout the story, he was scared when God called him. He was scared before he took down the Asherah poles. That's why he did it at night. He was scared when, when he actually realized that it was God talking to him. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. <laughs> right? He was scared with the fleece. He's like, well, let me test one more time again. He was scared before going out against the Midianites. Right? Over and over and over, he was scared, but he kept walking out the obedience of what God was saying, no matter what it looked like. Amen. That is courage, doing it afraid. Don't wait till you're not afraid. Amen. We want to see like Jesus. God's telling you who you are in the spirit, and that gives you a grace to empower you to defeat your enemies. Do it afraid. Drink his presence in daily. That's your daily strategy. Someone say, my daily strategy is to drink from the presence. In the presence, you might receive instruction to speak up in a school board meeting. You might receive instruction to preach the gospel to someone on the street. You might receive instruction to pray for healing for a coworker. By the way, did you guys know how uh, Dr. Cho in Korea, how he got saved? Do you guys know who Dr. Cho is? 
Um, he, he led the, the largest church that there basically ever was, is like million, million man church in Korea. He basically took Korea from a, a pagan nation, um, they were mostly Buddhists, in 70 year period, they were mostly a Christian nation. It's like, it's powerful. I've, I've seen this because I'm half Korean. Like, I've seen this in my family. There's times that they remember. It's like, oh, everyone was Buddhist before, right? Okay. Do you know how he got saved? A little girl, I think it was in college times, um, went to him and preached the gospel to him. And he's like, no, I'm a Buddhist. I don't want that. And she was incessant day after day after day. And she's like, no, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. He's like, no, get away from me. And then finally, he rejected her. He's like, I am never going to receive this Jesus. And she started weeping. And she wept and she wept and she wept. And it made him uncomfortable. And he's like, fine, fine, fine. I'll, I'll receive this Jesus that you talk about. And that's how Dr. Cho got saved. That's how you do it. Just start crying. <laughs> <I'm> just <kidding. laughs> if the Lord's telling you to cry, cry, right? But what am I saying? That little girl woke up that morning with a mission from God to see him get saved and look at what happened in her nation. One act of obedience. Amen. Someone say, God wants to use me. Hallelujah. In the presence, you might be led to run for office. In the presence, you might stand up against something that isn't right at your job. In the presence, you might start meetings that you run with prayer and get lots of weird looks. In the presence, you might receive instruction to share Christ with your friends at school or to pray for them, for you young ones, okay? In the presence, you might receive instruction to vote. <laughs> There's another plug, sorry, another plug. <laughs> the Lord is with you, mighty man, mighty woman, mighty child of valor. Someone say, the Lord is with me. All of creation groans and is waiting for the revealing of you. This is who you are, mighty people of valor. So, valor. So, how are you going to drink? How are you going to drink? With all of your weapons, ideas, and self-protections in your hands? Or are you going to lay it all down, surrender to the presence, and receive supernatural, nation-saving fire of God? So, Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to every heart individually, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would show us the things, God, that you want us to lay down. And maybe some of them, you're going to ask us to pick them back up again. I don't know what they are. But, Lord, we want to come before you and come before your presence and just want nothing else but you, nothing else but to be refreshed by you, nothing in our hands but your presence, nothing in our hands but just surrendering to your presence and anything that you would say to us, God. I pray that you would give us, Lord, that, that remembrance every day, God, that we have access to so much power, that we have access to so much peace. We have access to so much just like baptism of fire, God. I pray that you would remind us of this daily, that we wouldn't get so busy and think like, oh, well, I don't have time for that. Oh, what does that do? Just sitting in the presence and just worshiping. What does that even do? I got to get to work. I got to make action. Lord, would you change our hearts? Would you change our minds to understand, God, that we need a supernatural strategy from you, Jesus, and that we need supernatural fire to see our nation changed and to see our nation saved. And not just this nation, God, you want us to disciple nations, Lord, so to see other nations 
been saved, God. We need supernatural, holy fire of God. Lord, I pray that you would give us a conviction for it, Lord, that we would not fear man, that we would not fear like, oh, this looks silly or this looks weird. There's like Satanists that are fasting to destroy Christian marriages. It's time to rise up in the spirit and to not be worried about what it looks like because the enemy doesn't care what it looks like. So God, I pray that you would raise us up in courage, Lord. Raise us up, raise us up, raise us up, and continually tell us who we are. I thank you that your promise is that you are with us always, that we always have you with us, God. And we just give you all the glory. We give you all the glory, Jesus. We give you all the glory. Someone just start to give him glory. Jesus, we worship you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love your presence, God. We thank you for your presence, God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus.